no what is up needed here. Breaking news, of course. We're recording this the Monday night of. We were going to record anyway, obviously. Uh, Jason not able to be with us. Some family uh, things he's got to deal with. So prayers up to him. And now prayers up to the Panthers. Because once again, for the third time, the third time, we are now in a head coaching search under David Tepper's tenure. And I just, I'm at a loss of words. I mean, look, at least we can say it finally happened. It finally got done. But still a lot left to be desired. I think we all kind of know that there's still more moves that need to be made before we can really start believing in what we got going on here again. And I think that's pretty much all we're waiting on now. I think we're still waiting on the boot to drop on some other guys. But I will say this is the right start, but a long way to go before I start feeling positive about the situation we're in right now. Yeah, I mean, this is the song we've been singing since Rivera got fired, really, is that why are you firing your head coach before you're firing your GM? You know, and we had talked about it the last few times when when Herney, you know, was fired or kept on. It was always a concern there. And then we all said, you know, Fitter, you better get this right this time. You're not going to get another chance. And I mean, it's still early. It's still early in the week. But we had talked when we originally talked to, you know, Kevin Donnelly a while back, he told us about the GM season and how it differs from the NFL season. Part of me is worried that the GM season's already started and Fitter is going to get grandfathered in yet again. And that makes me even more concerned than if Reich hadn't gotten fired in the first place. Right, right. And I guess the the biggest issue we have is that, you know, we know that everything has to change within the organization. Like we know that we can't keep certain pieces around any any further because none of it has been successful. So at this point, Scott needs to be removed. David Tepper needs to remove himself from the football process of hiring all that he needs to go out, you know, hire other people to handle that job. Let the football guys do what the football guys do. And um, again, I, I saw a situation brought up uh, in San Francisco a few years ago uh, after they fired Jim Harbaugh, after they went from Harbaugh to Tom Sula to then Chip Kelly. The owner removed himself from the from the entirety of the situation in terms of football operations when he hired John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and gave those boys six-year contracts to be able to build this thing the way they wanted to. Now, am I saying a six-year contract is the way to go? No, because you made that mistake before too. But you at least got to give yourself a chance and step away and let the football guys take over. That's what I'm saying. I think that's why he's so hesitant to give up the reins and to make this decision because when it's head coaches, that's a football thing, right? That's a, a culture thing. It's a on the field X's and O's thing. And that mistake doesn't speak a lot to what you do as an owner. And we've seen him be kind of questionable in some of his opinions as a head coach goes before. We all know, you know, the controversy when he was part owner of Pittsburgh was that he was one of the voices trying to get Mike Tomlin out the door for whatever reason. And so I think the reason why he's having such these hangups on fitters because your GM is, yes, a football guy, but it's also a businessman. It's a business aspect of things. And so I think he's really hesitant to admit that he's made such a poor decision on the business side of things, a guy whose deals aren't panning out, who is making deals that are coming back to bite us in the you-know-what, who's passing on guys or guys are moving on. We keep talking about it, Hassan Reddick, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, different guys that have moved on, They he would not make the deal with. Jadavian Clowney has been the most recent one where everyone was, you know, we were in on that deal. 
don't do anything with it. And now look at, he's making, you know, big plays, game winning plays potentially on primetime football. So I think that's where Fitter or that's where Tepper is really trying to hold on to Fitter and really saying, you know, he gave rule a lot of, uh, a lot of leeway, but I think he's given Fitter even more because that speaks more to him as a businessman and someone who understands football. Yeah. But I mean, at this point, uh, David Tepper's gonna have to get out of his own way. That's the one thing that we that we've been saying for a while. Yeah. I mean, you look at, I mean, you look at all the professional organizations he's owned. They all get rid of coaches at the drop of a hat without any without any sense of a plan for what to do afterwards. So, I mean, look, Tepper's getting a bad reputation right now as a bad owner, and to this point, he's been a horrible one. So, I, it's it's been it's definitely been earned. At, at some point, man, you got to start looking at yourself in the mirror and say, look, bro, it's it's me. I'm the problem. Like, I'm the reason why these things can't be successful because whatever my decision-making is and my thought process is, it, it doesn't correlate to winning football games. No, it doesn't. I mean, we, we're talking about it, you know, four head coaches. The franchise had four head coaches in the span of, I believe, 27 years, I think, when he had gotten the organization. I remember we had the 25 anniversary patch before he got the team. I'm trying to remember how many years removed it was. But anywho, four head coaches since he's gotten the team, because Rivera obviously wasn't his, but since he's gotten the team, you hire, you fire Rivera, hire Perry Farrell as interim. So that's if you're counting interims, that's another, that's a fifth head coach. Then you hire right. Matt Rule. Fire Matt Rule, then Steve Wilkes gets the job. That's two more coaches. Now Frank Reich's got the gig, and now Chris Tabor's at the helm. That's five head coaches that have been at the helm since you have taken over. That is ridiculous. You have doubled the amount of coaches that have taken over this team in just the span from 2018 to now. A coach every year. That's as many coaches as losing seasons we've had. That's as many coaches as the average of your seasons for your wins. If you look at the season since he's taken over, that's your average record is sitting there at five wins. And that's how many we've had. And then that's not even mentioned, like you said, two FC head coaches in two seasons, the latter of whom made it to the playoffs in their second year as a franchise and then is inexplicably fired with little to no reason as to why. It just, and, it's, you know, a it's, it's a mom. It's definitely a red flag. It's a mind-boggling thing because at what at one point I had pride as a fan that we didn't have so many head coaches. Like I at coming into being a Panthers fan, I only had John Fox and Ron Rivera up until the last was five six years. So it, at least to that point, that was the only those were the only two head coaches I knew. And I'm like, I felt prideful that hey, we don't run through head coaches like paper towels. We 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 stick with guys, we make it work, and we find success somewhere along the way. Under under Tepper, man, like it, I understand, I I can truly understand what Detroit fans went have gone through for decades, and Cleveland fans have gone through for decades, and it, it's tough. I'm be honest, man, it's not even been a decade, and I'm like, bro, I'm already cool. Like I'm like, I can't take it. I'll I'll do something else before I have to sit here and keep watching this every Sunday. At some point, man, I I want us to be able to stabilize this thing thing out, but I mean. I guess the next best thing we can do is start hoping that the next head coach in waiting is out there for us and they can actually help turn this situation around. 
And that's the scary thing, right? We talked about, you know, like we had kept saying, you know, as our far as quarterbacks go, we have become the new Browns, you know, cycling through quarterbacks in the carousel. That was a point of pride too. You had a good amount of quarterbacks. You had your staple guys, Jake DeLome taking it pretty much all the way with only a few years until Cam Newton took over. Then he continues that tenure, long time quarterbacks, long time head coaches. Now it's that continued carousel of quarterbacks. And now we're in another carousel for head coaches. Like you said, we're at the likes of Detroit and Cleveland where we're getting a new head coach every season. And <laughs> It's ridiculous to say. It is ridiculous to see. And now it makes the situation look even worse with Steve Wilkes. Now you have again shown that you clearly had made the wrong decision. And you see, I mean, now he's on the, you know, he's making things work for San Francisco, working with the best defense in the league, getting guys, you know, only adding weapons to his roster as he's getting guys like Chase Young onto the team. I mean, it's ridiculous to say. And now also, <laughs> And I'll let you kind of add on it because I don't know how it looks one way or the other. We talked about Chris Tabor, and we'll talk about some of the reasons as to why I think he was named the interim. But you have two other head coaching candidates that you just interviewed for your head coaching gig, and neither of them get put in the interim position. That to me just I, I it doesn't track. You had two guys on your roster that you were literally hire you were interviewing as head coaches, and neither of them. I mean, Jim Caldwell was supposed to be helping out Thomas Brown as an advisor cool but like to have neither of them get the interim nod i don't know it's a little concerning for me definitely questionable i i, I thought about the same thing I, but the one point i did see from my guy un, unnecessary blunt is he did say that you know with chris Tabor, um him having work with offensive guys and defensive guys and 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 pretty much a large capacity meaning because because they're on special teams does allow him to just allow those guys like Thomas Brown, like you, like you, Jerry Rivero, to just simply coach their sides of the ball and allow him and allows him to just be in that administrative type of role where he's not necessarily one way or the other leaning towards what side of the ball he'll he'll work with more. So I can see that. Um, ultimately, though, I mean, I don't know, man. It, 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 it's it's hard to say. I mean. As far as when when it comes down to David Tepper in in terms of who he decides to name the head honcho uh, with, with the franchise, it, it's definitely been questionable because I mean we we start talking like you said we go back to Steve Wilkes, you start talking about the job he had to do in order to be even considered, did I think a, above and beyond the line of duty and did not and and didn't still didn't get the job and you and you start seeing how he's performed elsewhere, you start to see him like okay well. Yeah, you clearly made the wrong call. I think we all kind of missed the mark on where we thought we should have gone with the with the head coach last time. We all thought offensive mind, go get the quarterback, that'll solve all the issues. But clearly, we see that look, the grass isn't always greener. I mean, I feel like I feel like Jason would would love would, would love this point that we're that we're making right now. That you, like like sometimes you had the ingredients at home to make the meal. Sometimes you you just got you got to know how to cook it, man. Yeah, I think that's one of the situations where we definitely missed the mark. Someone needs to tell Tepper we got McDonald's at home. We've got it. We've got it where we where we eat. We don't need to go out and get it because clearly he's not getting it. I mean, but you bring up a good point though in terms of you know in terms of Tabor not having a specific side of the ball to deal with. Did we not? See, did he not learn his lesson from from Wilkes? I mean, Wilkes obviously the defensive coordinator, putting the guy he needed you know putting Holcomb in the position. They want, they still go seven and 10. Clearly it wasn't as big of an issue for him to have someone in the building who was weighted to one side. For me, I don't know. You have Matt Rule, this guy who is very hands-on into the team. Frank Reich clearly would not give up the reins, was very hands-on. 
these guys that are more minds and not necessarily leaders. And for me, I would think after all of going through these guys that are football minds, these, you know, these, these, these game managers, these mentalists, I would want someone who gets me wanting to run through a brick wall. That was the biggest thing about Steve Wilkes is everyone said we would run through a brick wall for that guy. For me, I don't think obviously Jim Caldwell is the guy you run through a brick wall for, but if there's anyone like to me, having a special teams guy as your, as your, as your, you know, interim head coach. Yeah. I mean, he does work with both sides. That is cool. But like, I don't need, that doesn't give me, that doesn't make me excited for him running the game, you know, running the, running the entire team. For me, I don't, Jim Caldwell's a, one of a historic head football coach who had a lot of success where he was, he knows the right things to say. He knows the right things to do. Just be a puppet in there and let Avero and Thomas Brown do what they need to do. We know the interim guy, you know, is really just a figurehead. You see it with, with Vegas right now and what they've done with that, what he's done with that team in just a short time. You saw what, you know, Jeff Saturday taking over, why they wanted him to take over. This interim guy is supposed to just be someone that's going to, you know, get everybody, try to boost some morale a little bit. Now, of course, Wilkes had a lot longer time span to work with. Tabor's going to have seven weeks. He was an interim coach beforehand. Um, so I do understand in terms of that point in time, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't give me hope for his coaching search and what kind of guy he's looking for next. The only thing I'll say is that I'm I'm kind of glad that some of the guys that interviewed for for the coaching position earlier aren't having to be the interim right now because you're putting them in the worst position possible. You know, like I feel like maybe you know that is true. Will's got put in the like Will's got put in a bad position, but I don't think it was as bad. I, we can look back on it now. He still had weapons. He still had DJ Moore. They had McCaffrey for a game until they decided to make a trade. Like so, there, there were still guys there in the room. Whereas now it's like. Hey man, you don't have a you don't have a bell cow running back you can lean on twenty plus times like you had with Deontay Foreman. You don't have a number one receiver like you had with DJ Moore. Um, your your secondary's banged all the hell. I mean, it's 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 a wonder that you know you've ever been able to put out any type of sustainable defense with how many injuries we've had. Um, I I don't I don't mind I don't mind some of those guys not getting this opportunity because I mean honestly, um. It just it just would not be it would not be a fair shake for them at all. I, and knowing how Tepper's been in terms of interims, and even if an interim would have been successful, it still to me probably wouldn't have shaken out well for him either way. Because if they go and they only win maybe one more game, well, like oh, well, look, he only won one more, he only won one more game during his time as an interim, and, and that that being used against against them, knowing how this NFL head coaching search knowing how it goes and how unfair and unclear the guidelines are as far as people make for the guys they want and guys they don't want. I'm cool with just giving it to Chris Tabor, finish out the rest of the season and let's just figure out who our next head, uh, head guy's going to be. Yeah. I mean, clearly the bar is set incredibly high after what Wilkes is able to do in the interim position in that time frame. So no one's going to get, you know, close to that that's coming around now. So I agree with what you're saying in that point. And you talk about the talent. I mean, this team is unrecognizable from when Tepper first bought it. It's a different, it's a complete, like if you, if you, if your first year watching, you know, Carolina Panthers was 2019, I'm so sorry because you don't even know what came before you. You have no idea what was. This team was only one year removed from the playoffs, still on the, you know, in the hunts to make another, was in route to make another before Cam Newton went down, which leads me to my other point is that, yeah, cool. Fire the, you know, head coach. You should fire the, the you know, the, uh, the GM. This training staff and this athletic staff needs to be just cleaned out because we are seeing constant either, I don't know if it's misdiagnosis or 
or or un you know unsuccessful training regimens or you know rehab but corbett's out on ir again literally was for two weeks off of ir jc horn shouldn't really come back onto the ball field honestly at this point i don't need there's no reason for you to come on this season other than to silence the voices of the haters that think that he's not what he is there's really no reason for you to step on the field so this training staff needs to be looked at incredibly thoroughly because there's the CMC shouldn't be doing this right now. Greg Olson and Thomas Davis shouldn't have lasted three or four more years in the NFL after they left us. It, it just, it makes no sense. Again, one of those things where, you know, if, if you, if you're in the depths of Patrick's Twitter, which, which I am, I'm, I'm definitely in the trenches with y'all boys. Um, the JC Horn conversation has always been the it's biggest. Not that far, it's the, not that far of a trip to get to. It's not, it's, it's not, the JC Horn conversation has been a like a very high point of contention uh in in that space. And the main thing everybody talks about is that oh he's injury prone, he's this, he's that. I'm like, I I'll tell you guys, I'm like, Christian McCaffrey wasn't injury prone before he got to Carolina. JC Horn wasn't injury prone before no. he got to Carolina. I was like, there is clearly something wrong with this. Greg also didn't miss a game. You feel me? Like there's so many things that have that have that have happened with some players that were never injured. That as like you have to look into that staff, and like you said, like I mean, like everybody's got to get this. It, the whole house has to be cleaned. It has to be disinfected of all of this funk that's been around. Because that has everything has to be evaluated. Like we have to evaluate every single office nook and cranny in that building. Like it, everything has to be looked at under a fine under a fine scope and figure out. How do we get better? Or how do we change this? Because, it, like, bro, we're very clear on that things need to change top to bottom. And I mean, when we mean top to bottom, we literally mean top to bottom, meaning from the owner and his mindset to the training staff. Everything has to be different. Something has to be changed. And it's, it's down to the concession stands at this point. Like, I, it's just... It makes no sense. And what's really interesting, you know, you see it a lot of times that when these interim coaches get put in, you know, the staff either doesn't change that all, you know, people get put in either upgraded positions or they kind of let go, you know, fell, fell, he, he kind of said, all right, I don't really want some of these guys, you know, obviously when rule left, you know, defensive, you know, snow was out the door, but obviously, um, um, I can't remember his name for life of me now. Uh, it was still at the offensive coordinator position for that time period. Oh yeah, Here you're seeing, you know, all thank you yes i knew i was trying to think of i knew i was thinking all i could hear was jason making fun of his name and calling him something stupid that i couldn't remember <laughs> the actual name of the guy um but but every time you see it you know it's it's interesting to see what happens afterwards so to see that you know it was put the table was going to be up top brown was going to get play calling duties with jim caldwell assisting him which makes that makes sense but then for under the direction of caldwell and with talking to tabor as well the two of them fired Josh McCown 11 weeks into his career as a head coach, which, or as I'm sorry, as a, as a assistant coach, and then kicked Deuce Staley to the curb as well. And those are two very interesting positions in my mind. Very, very interesting position coaches to have gotten the can. I, I think when it came down to it, you wanted to get rid of anything that was closely attached to what Frank Wright wanted to do like philosophically. I think that's just, I, 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 even with Matt Rule, right? Matt Rule, he was lean, he's he was more defensive leaning. It felt like once he came in, I didn't really get the offensive feel for for, uh, for him. Like when I, I went once he came into the group. Um, I mean, Phil Snow was his it, guy. Well, Phil, 
Phil Snow was his guy. That was clearly his guy that he that he took with him. So once Rule went, he had to go to. Um, Deuce Staley did feel like one of those guys that were like that were tight knit with Frank. And I mean, I, and and I think one of the questions were that you know that we had was you know how many voices are in Bryce's head in terms of who's telling them what. Like we have Josh McCown, you have Andy Dalton, you and you have Frank Reich. Like that's a lot of older voices in your head like, talking to you at once. That like, but we maybe need to cut down how many guys are talking to this kid. And that may have been, I got to guess, that was probably the thought process with getting rid of Josh McCown as well. Now, it is telling that they didn't get rid of Thomas Brown. I, I, was, I was a little worried for Thomas Brown once the notification came through because I'm like, well, he didn't really do anything that made you feel like he could figure it out. He, you know, and so I, that was kind of, I was kind of a little worried for his job security. But yeah, um, and that's what I got to think. I got to think that you, you trying to detach anything that was closely affiliated with Frank Rice philosophy. Um, that's got to be the biggest question. That, that had to be the biggest point of contention for them when they were making moves. And I think we have to apologize to Frank Reich. You know, we had said that, you know, taking the play calling away from Thomas Brown was killing his career. And in reality, it might have actually been the thing that saved his career. If Brown had had the play calling duties the last few weeks prior and Reich had never taken it back, he might have very well gotten the boot with him. But because Reich took the play calling out of his hands, put the blame all on himself, not like Matt Rule, you know, oh, it's Brady's fault. Oh, it's my, you know, college roommate's fault. Oh, it's this guy's fault. Instead, Frank took it, you know, on his sleeve and said, yeah, this is, this is my call. This is what I'm doing. So this actually might give Brown the chance to, you know, there's nothing to lose now from an offensive standpoint. There's nothing to lose as the season goes on. We can do as long as we keep, you know, Bryce Young healthy, that's priority number one. But to show if you can at least score some points, I think honestly that's what did save his career and as as a coach. And I am interested though, do you think with McCown going, does that feed any more into the, you know, that whole theory of, you know, it was Reich and McCown wanting CJ Stroud and it was Tepper that wanted, you know, Tepper and Federer that wanted Bryce Young. It it definitely does for me. Um we kind of all felt it. I, I mean, I, I thought we felt it when we saw the pro day at Ohio State. Like, you can't hide. Like, you can't hide that that big-ass childish grin. <laughs> and that's the most we've ever seen Frank smile this entire time, bro. Or the, that old, is the Nokia cell phone. Yeah, right. Or the old man, Nokia man, cell phone that he's got filming every CJ Stroud is, rap. Bro, he's filming every CJ Stroud rap like a proud father, bro. He is up there in the he's up there like geeked out over CJ Stroud, man. Um, and then watching CJ Stroud and McCown's interaction. <laughs> right. right. And watching McCown's and CJ Stroud's interaction after the pro day, like, look, to me, look, there's only so much of, you know, pulling the blinds and stuff you can do over fans. Like, we see everything now. We we hear everything, we see everything as much as anybody else does. Um Look, pure human emotions are hard to are hard to hide. They clearly they clearly felt the way about that kid. They liked him a lot. That was probably who they preferred. And we all thought coming out of the process, I'm like, well, if any quarterback fit what Wright likes, it was C.J. Stroud. So, not it's safe to say none of us were crazy for feeling how we felt about you know Frank Wright and C.J. Stroud and that being a real thing. Um, and, and like I said, Ian brought it up in the group chat the other day, like in the interview with uh, 
and other, I think it was a Panther, was it Panthers Huddle or a, a Black and Blue Review? Uh, yep, yeah, like the answer he gave there, it was kind. Of, it's always been kind of weird. It, it's never been like a full embrace of Bryce. I haven't felt like it was ever a true full embrace of Bryce Young is our guy. This is, this is who we're rolling with, and we're gonna make this work for him. It always felt a little weird, like a little bit of space in between the two. No, I completely agree with it. Now, you know, I wonder what, you know, it's going to be in terms of the weapons that were brought in around and what that head next head coach is going to think about, you know, guys like Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst that have been, you know, very underwhelming as players, you know, I wonder what their philosophy is going to be, or if they're going to try to, you know, if he's going to try to pigeonhole in a coach, if Fitter is going to try to pigeonhole in a coach, if he's the one making the search, you know, that would still fit the vibe of what we're trying to do it, at this point. I'm like, honestly, the Steelers aren't doing anything. Can they hire our head coach for us? Because clearly they don't miss on head coaches. So they've had just as many as we've had in almost three, de- you know, 30 years more of a franchise, even longer than that, obviously, you know, they've had mu- they've had much more success as an organization. So can they do- make the move for us? Because at this point, I'm worried about it being fitter or making the call. I, I-, I just, it- with the guys that are out there, you know, half the field of the people you interviewed last year are either, you know, they were fired from their specific position or have a better job and like one of them is still in the pool that I would actually consider. And that's obviously in Ben Johnson and Lord knows if he'd even talked to us at this point, you know, so I I'm very concerned about, you know, the process going forward. I am too. And um, I got to ask who would you, uh, who was on your list? Cause I'm gonna be honest. I don't have a long list of guys that I'm looking at this year. I'm only probably like, it's only a two man race for me and it's, Truly, Eric B. Enemy and Ben Johnson. After that, I'm like, if you find me another name that sounds good, like maybe I'll entertain it. But I'm kind of very short listed on the guys that I want this year. I'm not really going all the way out and scouring through a bunch of rosters to try to find a find the next guy. Lord help me if it's if it's Harbaugh, like what was last time around. You know, when all that was going on, it definitely should. If it wasn't then, it definitely shouldn't be on the list now. I mean, after everything that's happened, it definitely shouldn't be anymore. You know, I've seen some crazier ones like Nick Saban. Like, yeah, he he, you know, he wants to come through or something like that. I would say Vrabel, but I think Vrabel is pretty much guaranteed to the Patriots. I think that you know, if he's if he because his time in Tennessee's done, we've seen that it's it's coming to an end. And so I would say him, but I think he's pretty much, you know, like he's pretty much like promised to the Patriots at this point. Outside of that, they're, um, I think he's their linebacker coach, Gerard Mayo. We, we talked to him last time around. It was an interesting, you know, conversation and an interesting candidate. And like I said, I'm a sucker for defensive minded former players, you know, that are able to get a team going from a motivation standpoint, that is the, for me, that's my bread and butter. You see it with Mike Vrabel. You see it with Dan Campbell. You see it constantly throughout the NFL where it does work. I mean, that's hell. That's what Rivera was, you know, former linebacker, 85 bears. And he came in and, you know, he was, he was able to push this through. That's what we've always had. And that's what I have. I I'm under the, you know, the, the idea of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, you know, Rivera missed his window. That was, I think Rivera's biggest issue was he just missed his window and there's nothing, the team, the roster, everything missed the window. I think, you know, like for guys like Mike Vrabel, you have a GM that doesn't do things right you know, and make stupid moves like, take, you know, not paying one of the best, if not the best wide receiver, you know, in terms of output in football for the years he's been in the league and A.J. Brown. I think that, you know, 
there's moves that these GMs have made that have made these coaches, you know, kind of go through the wayside that I understand why. But yeah, if you're going to go offensive minded, it can't be anybody else other than Ben Johnson or Eric Bieniemy. There, there's just, there is nobody. You had the chance with Ken Dorsey if the Bills didn't look like a dumpster fire this season and now are playing better with him gone. Um, I mean, you know, you don't touch Matt Canada with a 10 foot pole. You don't touch, you know, there's some, maybe some interim guys that you could, I mean, heck the Vegas, you know, the, the head coach of the Raiders right now, if you want to go through that interim pool, maybe learn your lesson from Steve Wilkes. And my biggest thing right now is keeping the OCs that we have on staff, keeping Averro, because I think, you know, bar none, he's still been able to do fairly well. There's been some issues I still have, but I think it's more of a health standpoint than anything. And then I still think that, you know, it would be kind of curtailing for Thomas Brown's career, depending upon whoever comes in, but I don't want whoever comes in to take any reins. Like if the enemy, I think would be perfect to pair with Brown. That would be, that would be chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. If, if Brown can sit there and learn from the enemy for a little while and then allow, they can be, you know, to they can call the plays together. That would be the best case scenario in my mind. I think Ben Johnson to probably bring in his own guy, but that is, you know, that is what it is. But what about you? Um, again, yeah, I'm like I said, I'm I'm stuck on a short list of guys, man. I, I I'm more I'm mostly sold on Ben Johnson. Like I thought we were, I thought we were all sold on him last year. Had, had we been able to get him, I thought that would that would have been something we were all happy about. Because when we when we wanted a offensive mind, we wanted a young offensive mind. I, we none of us asked for for what we got. So that is what it is. Um, the enemy for me has definitely proven that look. A lot of what the success was in Kansas City was derived from his thinking and his and his help with the game planning, and that he did play a factor into Mahomes being as good as he was. Um, he's a, and he's definitely shown that in Washington he can take he can take a young quarterback and turn him into something. He's got Sam Howell playing well. He could be playing better, but he's got him playing arguably leading substantially league, better than last year. Leading the league in passing yards. You feel me? So, uh, so that's that's something we got to be looking at as far as like look, we got to give Bryce Young the best opportunity that that's out there for him to be successful. The enemy definitely to me feels like the type of guy that could do that, um, especially with Ben Johnson working with a QB like Jared Goff, where I think like as far as like arm talent wise, I think him and Bryce are 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 closer in range. Like they're not nece- these aren't necessarily the strongest arms you'll ever see in a league, but these are guys. These are guys that do throw with incredible touch, with incredible timing. That I think that oh, if you pair him up with Bryce Young, you could see some things start to materialize. As far as outside of that, man, I, I'll be honest, man, I just don't have a long list of guys. I do, I do need somebody that can reinvigorate the locker room, though. Like you, like you spoken to this point. Like you need that. You need a guy that people that that the that players want to follow. Players want to run through a brick wall for. And I will say that's some, that is the feeling I want to have back into this locker room. And so, honestly, whoever can give us the best opportunities as far as maximizing our guys that are on the roster, maximizing our rookie, and being able to get a, a galvanize a group of men, then by all means, bro, you know, bring them on. Yeah, I think that is pretty much the the main part of the list. I still think that guys like, you know, I would have said last year, Kellen Moore, that would have been one of the guys. Obviously, now with the way that L.A. looks, I'm not as big on him anymore. Now, 
now from the from the Cowboys coaching staff in general, obviously with McCarthy and um, whoever their OC is, because they still got him moving pretty well now. I mean, their offensive coordinator now is pretty well. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but that might be a good system to poach from as well with the system they have. That kind of offense they run could be similar to what we could put together. But unfortunately, until then, you know, it's like we said, <laughs> since Jerry Richardson sold the team, we have not known a moment of peace. We've not known a moment of peace and we're not going to another, we've got another off season. If anything, this team has allowed for us to have programming each and every year. So don't worry. We're not going to run out of things to talk about. My girlfriend, she was like, you did this to yourself, you know, because earlier I was like, yeah, we just have nothing to talk about anymore. We keep saying the same things. And I did it to my, I did it to us. I did it to myself. (laughs) And you can listen to the episode last week. What did I say? I said, if we lost to the Titans, I said, if we lost to the Titans, Frank Reich would not be let back on that plane. Now he was, but I was not shocked when I got the note. And now we're just waiting to see if if Fitterer gets the call too. Yeah. Look, the only thing we can do is hope at this point. I mean, I'm not, I hate to root for guys to get fired, but I just want things to be better for us, the fans that have to sit, sit here and do this every week watch these games, pay money for these games. I want us to have a fun experience watching football again. Like football is supposed to be fun. I should not be looking for things to do on Sunday aside from watching practice games. This is that, that that's where it's, it's gotten ridiculous. So no, again, I just want us to be able to enjoy Sundays again in Charlotte. And until then, we gotta keep waiting, keep pounding, and keep interviewing.